Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life. And the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and we have a really wonderful show set up for you today. We have uh, two really good friends of mine that are truly out and innovating, and they are on their way to crushing multifamily. Tina Palma and Matt Hodkiewicz probably said it, I think I said it right. They started investing in 2015 with the end goal to have passive income fund their lives. They've built a successful business renovating houses and started by buying a local portfolio of single family and duplex properties. But in 2019, they transitioned to focus on multifamily investing. Their primary businesses is flipping houses and purchasing rental properties. Today, they own 548 doors in seven states and have big goals to achieve their dreams. And more importantly, though, I'll tell you, these two individuals are very methodical. They have gusto. It's the little thing, that moxie of what takes you to the next level. Before we get into that episode, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Okay, real quickly though, guys, before we start getting into Matt Tina's story, I got to let you guys know the Kahuna boardroom is now open and I'm telling you, we are almost there. I think we've got 45 already people that have signed up. I'm only accepting 60. So I think I've got like 15 spots available. And it's for $1,500. So I'm telling you right now, if you want to learn the multifamily game from A to Z with not a lot of sales, there are no upsells at my event, okay? You can't buy anything. We give it all to you, everything. And we give you it on a silver platter. I promise you, if that is you, I'm telling you, April 21st through the 23rd in Scottsdale, Arizona, it's live and in person it's not going to be recorded. View it from Zoom. You have to be there to attend, and you'll want to be there to attend. It's 1500 bucks. kahunaboardroom.com, kahunaboardroom.com, right? Don't miss out. Let's get to it. Hey, Matt and Tina, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey. How's it going? Thanks for having us. Man, I'm excited. This is our part three of the series, Good, Bad, and Ugly, of our Green Hill at Radford deal and I specifically wanted Matt and Tina to be on this show because they came in kind of, they're not green. They're not green at all. They have been in real estate. They've been raising money, but they've never done something on this scale. And I thought that's a great opportunity to share for anybody that's out there and find partners or people to JV with the experience of what you guys went through. So guys, uh, welcome to the show. Before we start though, can you guys give everybody a little bit of background on who you guys are as even though we have Matt Hodkiewicz and Tina Palma, we call them the funds, right? And so, yeah, introduce you guys yourself and tell us about you. Awesome. Well, yes, we are Matt and Tina. We live in Wisconsin, just a little bit south of Green Bay. 
We have a fix and flip wholesaling business that we've been doing for about seven years. Have really kind of fine-tuned that business and runs really well, but we wanted more. All the entire time that we were doing that, we really knew we wanted to get into more of a hold situation. We're looking for some cash flow, looking for the long-term play of our retirement. And so about three years ago, we started on that kind of venture of acquiring properties and really just kind of growing that and building that bigger and bigger and getting to a point where we can get to a good cash flow number. That's ultimately our goal is to really be in a position where our cash flow is kind of what we live on and maybe put the flipping business off to the side someday, maybe not now, but someday soon. So, Well, and I think it's really important too. We were doing multifamily deals, but we knew we needed to know more to scale better. And Mm -hmm. so we weren't on a search actually to find Corey. He's heard our story, but we went on a search to find him because we knew we wanted to be in a community of people that were doing what we wanted to do and to put ourselves around people that were already doing where we wanted to, that there already are where we want to be. So um, that's really how we got with Corey. And then that's how we are here today. Yeah. Some of the easiest ways to get in and grow is just to jump in with someone that's already doing it and and just model what they're doing and find out a workable system through it. So I want to commend you guys, first of all. Radford, what, $18 million purchase, I believe, and it was a $7.2 million raise. So it was a decent size, bigger deal. And you guys had impressed me enough that I I asked you guys to be a part of it and said, hey, would you you want to do it? And of course, you jumped right in and said, yeah, absolutely, let's go. And so in the raising process, it's always good to hear it from someone kind of new to it, their experience. Because I always say it's kind of like a roller coaster. There's highs and there's lows and it goes lower than low and then you come back up. What was it like for you guys, Tina, Matt? You know, in the past, we've raised money for deals that we've done. And it has been, I won't say easy, but it was, we had really good relationships. We were tight with people and we were able to find people really quickly that wanted to come on this adventure with us. And so we expected this to be more of that, more of the same. We're like, oh, great. We have this network of people. We're going to reach out to them. They're going to want to do it and check the box and we're good. Yeah. Um, We really had this mentality of like, which is why I mentioned the flip business first, because we've really had a good opportunity to find private money. People that wanted to invest in us, they understood what we did. They liked our model and they wanted to be part of it. And so same thing, I thought, well, this is going to be easy. We have a really good network that we've established over the last seven years of people with money. How would they not want to invest in this opportunity? A little bit longer play, a little bit more stable, why would you not want to do that? And that was an eye-opener for us. It really was because that was not the case. Well, and what we ran into were objections that were new to us. Mm -hmm. And so we really had to figure out how to overcome the objections, but also then the other big part was how to widen our net. And so when we got all the no's from where the regular people were that we thought would say yes, we really had to go, "Uh uh-oh, we need a wider net. And so we did an exercise where we went through like our contacts and our phone and then... All right, hold on, hold on. I set this up. So, but what you guys just said was, is exactly the experience of everybody. Cause it's like, Hey, I've been raising money for a single family. And that usually comes with like a note or deed of trust or some type of collateral for that money. And so now we go into the other side of it, it's just pure equity, even though the stability and strength of that whole machine is way better than just a note and deed of trust, in my opinion. But people get weirded out, and it's your first time, right? Now, even though you're partnering with me, they don't know Corey at all, and they just really know you guys. And so it's like, so pretty shortly after 
you went to your list and you're like, oh gosh, we've kind of exhausted our short list, right? And then this is what I'm leading up to. (laughs) Tina said, okay, we need to be strategic and we need a better process. So I'm queuing you up, Tina. What did you do next? (laughs) Matt and I were brainstorming and we pulled out our phones. We started looking at our contacts and our phones, our Facebook contacts, all our social media contacts and went, who do we know? Like who's in our sphere, right? And we actually just created a list of just that. We basically put every name on a list that we knew that we thought would have money they'd want to invest in real estate. So we all know there's people on your list. You're like, they're not going to have it. That was our first criteria, right? Is like, who do we know that had money? We kind of did like an ABC list, but we asked like, okay, who has money? And then who do we think would invest money or would be interested in investing money? And then we did another sphere to say, who knows money? Like who can introduce us to money? And so that was really important to have conversations to start talking to those people to say, this is what we're trying to accomplish. These are some of the advantages of investing in a deal with us and then getting some buy-in there. And that was a big one for me as well. The who do you know that we should know was a really good exercise because I never thought that way before. I never had to think three people deep for me. Who do you know that I should know? Who do you need to introduce me to so I can have a conversation with them about money? Aren't those great words though? Those are great words. So somebody you knew may have gave those words to you, but... The other thing too, is then we found that a lot of those times people were self-selecting, that we've always found that. But in this particular situation, we really found people that were interested. You saw the signs right away that would self-select to say, I want to know more. I want to understand this process better. Mm -hmm. So to recap, it's people, who do you know first? Who do you know that has money? And then who do you know that I should know? right? Kind of like, in other words, here's all my everybody that I know. And then you guys were very strategic and saying, first of all, I'm just going to open up my phone because everybody that, I, that I've ever met is in here. And then you said, next, let's go. And you guys did this in Excel, right? We did. And we did that because obviously we want to meet all of these people and either have lunch, coffee, phone call, at least something, right? So we had to prioritize it. And so we put it all in a spreadsheet. And if you hit all three columns, we know you have money. We think you may want to invest that money with us. And you know other people with money Then I needed to go to lunch with you, you made first. Our A-list. You made yeah. our A-list. Right? Oh, wait. So it's almost like four. So A, just who do you know first? Who do you know that has money or that you believe have money, right? And then who do you know that, in other words, the third part is the referral base, right? Who do you know that I should know, right? And the farther you get farther past the continuum, it's the hotter it is, really. Yes. Correct. And there was one extra layer that we came back and did a new lens on when we looked at our people to say, who do we know that had a good job and has recently changed jobs and might Uh potentially have retirement money that IRA money interested investing? Sure. Because (laughs) most of them didn't know the things they can do with that money. They don't even know they can use their IRA, right? Or they may have an old 401k just sitting with their old employer getting who knows what and like and they don't even know exactly wow that's pretty cool so um once you kind of made that list then then what did you do next tina well we had the marketing materials and i had those printed and i mailed them to 
that whole A list. Like I mailed them all out and then reached out to did a follow-up to let them know, hey, I'm sending you information. I'd love to talk to you about an opportunity. And then we had some WebEx or Zoom meetings that were scheduled to see if we could get them on there. Could we get a face-to-face? And Matt and I looked at that list every morning (laughs) and made a plan of attack. I'm like, who do we need to talk to? Who's next? When's our next step? And we identified all of those things to keep us going fanatically. That's what I love about it. I watch you do this. And so this is really why I wanted to have you on the podcast too, is because intimately remember Tina kind of like, okay, here's where I'm at, Corey. What do I do? It was kind of like, we kept on building the next steps. And she's like, oh, okay, got it. That's great. I'm going to use that. And then she started working and she started like, okay, that's working. What I really saw was action, right? There's a lot of people that say, I want to raise money, (laughs) but it's wish because they don't really want to do the work because it really is to do with picking up the phone and calling people and really working the phone and email, right? Well, it was, I can have those conversations pretty well. And this was so beyond my comfort zone. Like I had to get so direct. I had to ask so many people that I would not ever have really pushed. I had to go meet a guy that's like Matt's buddy said, Hey, this guy's really interested. And Matt had met him and Matt wasn't home. And so I had to go like, I drove to this guy's house on the weekend and like met him in his backyard. He was on a skid steer. She had to get him off the skid steer so that she could go over the packet that I had explained to him (laughs) on the phone. So talk about getting out of your comfort zone. I was driving all over the place. Like I will talk to you about all of these things. It was like road warrior, man. And that's why I felt like you both guys planned an attack. And you did it kind of methodically. And I love that part of what you guys did. Maybe that's a little bit of your background. You guys did come from the IT world, right? Very strategic and planning. But that's what I saw. And then I saw the execution of that for the very first time. Um, how much money did you guys raise? I think it was a $1 million. Yes. <laughs> yep. Which is huge. First out of the gate and to raise that kind of money, A, is a testament to A, how hard you worked. Because I've seen so many people go out and just get lambasted, right? Get their legs chopped out and they're like, oh God, this is way harder than I thought, right? And it is always way harder than you think. But going through that gauntlet of which you went through, how do you feel now? Well, we feel great. Not only that, I mean, we're about to start again the next adventure of this and we really reflect back on what did we do right? What did we do wrong? How do we fine tooth that? Because we're going to go with that same approach now and do it again. And so for me, I love that we went through all the challenges now. I mean, I didn't like it at the time, but I love that we went through all those challenges because now we can say, hey, that didn't work, or we need to come in from this approach, or um, I never even thought of that sphere of people who I'm now going to have conversations with. So it was just such a learning experience for me personally. And a lot of people are already educated now, right? That's the other thing. We had plenty of no's, but they really were just not now's. And so now we get to come back in with another opportunity. So it wasn't a one and done. It's a, hey, we have another one of those opportunities. Is this something you're interested in? And they successfully saw you close your last one. Let's go over some of those objections. Can you remember some of the ones you had like that were just stand out in your mind? Yeah. So a big one that we got a lot was I'm getting better returns in the stock market. Didn't even want to open the door to even listen at that point. And so my strategic plan this time around is to just do a cover letter with the marketing to talk about why this is a great complimentary 
opportunity to go with their stock market investing. Like, I'm not saying don't do the stock market, but I'm saying there's advantages to diversifying. To have a piece of your money. How long has the stock market been up? Right? Not to mention, and I don't have a problem having this conversation with my friends or close contacts of that group to say, that's great. Did you sell all your stocks today? And because if you didn't, you're still on the roller coaster, right? And so the gains you think you may have gotten today only matter if you cashed out and most of them don't. And so they're really looking at stock market opportunities that they didn't cash in on. They're still on that. They're still on the roller coaster. They also don't pay attention to the amount of fees that they're putting into those stocks when they invest in them, what that cost is for them. And they don't think about the tax consequences when they do cash out. And so all of those can be a really good conversation in real estate that can be curved a different way. And now we can have that conversation a little bit better with them because we understand it more. Yeah. Beginning, I always say like my used car salesman technique, when I was first the new car salesman, any, I've been on the car lot for a long time, so this is a bad analogy, but it's the truth. They would grind through new people because they came in and they're new and excited and they just go and go and go and go and they get deals. And you got the guy that's been there for 20 years and he's always grumpy, and but he doesn't do the things with enthusiasm anymore. And like he doesn't close as many deals. And so in between like those two extremes is experience, right? And the more experience gives you more confidence. But the goal is to keep that enthusiasm as you go forward. And I think you guys have that in spades, right? I think it is because you love people. And at the end of the day, I think the other part of what we do in raising capital, we're not selling anything, right? So how did that feel? I think it's hard because I think people approach it like they're asking for something and really you're giving them an, an opportunity to invest. And when you look at it that way, I thought, man, my fear of asking people to invest was actually a detriment because I didn't give them the opportunity to be in part of a great deal. Yeah. So I have a whole new mindset for it this time. <laughs> so that was one. So is there a couple more that, that stand out to you? I think people were afraid of like, we had some IRA. We did have some people that converted IRA money to self-directed so that they could invest. But then we also had some that were afraid of the complexity of that. And so I think we can talk a little bit more. We have some great contacts that allow people to convert their money quickly and easily and pretty inexpensively so that they can control where they invest it. Yeah. When we started with this one, we kind of had to keep going back and finding that answer. And now I feel like we have it. We have those resources. So now if that's an objection, that's great. I've got a contact. Let's get on a phone call. He'll make it real easy. Yes. Only holdup is you don't know how. That's what I'm here for. I have the how for you. Right. And so that I think was a big objection that we handled And I think we'll do even better the next go around because we have all those resources. Bingo, right? Mm -hmm. I think the other biggest one was really just the unknown, you know, the risk involved and just really educating people on risk overall in everything that you do, no matter what you invest in and how your money's secure in real estate and arguably better than other things. You get to at least make decisions in real estate. You get no say when you put your money into a stock, you know, you're not on the board. You don't get to make those decisions. Right. And then the finance advisor says, it's the market when it goes down. It's just the market. By the way, half your money's gone. So like, but it's the market, right? That conversation about the timing, right? Of, hey, I just lost the third of my portfolio. This isn't a good time for me. But also if I just gained a third extra, you know, like, so that trying to massage the- I'm making too much money in the stock market. And I know this go around, the objection is I just lost a bunch in the stock market. So we just have to learn how to have those conversations about the ups and downs because 
to Tina's point, there's never a good or bad time based on your understanding of the market, right? Yeah, no, exactly. But what great lessons to learn along the way without so much stress of like, we've got to raise a large amount. It was really, you guys can raise whatever you can, but there's not as much by having other partners in the deal, you can feel confident that I can just go and do the best I can and that's good enough, right? But one thing I know is Tina set up, put a number in her head, she said it, and then she came hell or high water, she made sure she hit her number. So I want to give you a golf clap for that. Tink, 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 right? Because it was really powerful to watch, right? I mean, guys, I teach a lot of people, and not very many people have that type of tenacity to say and really just throw down the gauntlet and say, hell or high water, I'm hitting my thing. I said that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do, damn it, right? Very few people will go that far. And that really is the commitment that you have to have because eventually you guys will go out and my little birds fly away and they go do their own deals, right? And that will be the what you'll put on your back when you're ready to do it all yourself is like, I have to make this happen, right? And so it's a great lesson in do you have it and i'm going to say you guys have it in spades right so congratulations for that by the way so let's talk about the aftermath of that successful raise and how do people look at you did anybody look at you differently or is there anything different that kind of like oh wow that was a different conversation or like after you've closed for that sphere i mean did they look at you guys a little different or did was there anything like, oh, wow, you did do that deal? Like that closed? I mean, I don't know. We got a little bit of that. And then what we've gotten is a ton of referrals, which has been a nice little bonus yeah. to that of, hey, you guys talked to me about this. I know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. They would be interested in talking to you more about what you're doing. And so we've been having some conversations, some lunches, some whatnot to talk with other people um, that are interested more in learning about what we're doing yeah, we have two very specific ones to that point that said, I love the deal that you guys put together. I see we closed. When's your next one? And we actually have a lunch or a happy hour, whatever you want to call it, next week with one of those investors because they're ready. They're anxious to hear about the next deal we have. So yeah. that did come back in an amazing way for us. Yeah. What would you tell new investors about that they're thinking about starting that process? What advice would you give them? I think that it can be easy to do like a scarcity mentality to say, I don't want to hit up my whole sphere right now because I want to save them for maybe a different deal or something else. Ooh, that's a great. And we did not approach it that way. I mean, we went all out. And I think because we went all out, we opened doors that we didn't even know existed. And I think that's our intention this time. And every time moving forward will be just to go all out because when you do that, it opens doors that you didn't even realize were there. Like that's exactly what we're finding. And I think there's so many skills that you learn that are so transferable to the next objection or hurdle or obstacle in your business that as you learn to work through them, they become less daunting and more just overcomable. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing social security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. 
To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. That was great. Because like, okay, so, and just to recap what you just said, the fear is, okay, I'm going to go raise money. I'm going to raise it with this partner, i.e. Corey, and I've got my people that I know. And so what if I go shoot my whole wad on Corey's deal that I'm going to get a smaller fraction of? Like, I'm not getting what I want, but I'm getting what I need probably, right? And then I'm done is the mentality of like, I just lost it. All my come out role is spent on that one. And that's one way to look at it. And I think you chose to do the other, which was I'm engaging my capital and I'm going to work. And this is just a small fragment of the snowball that I'm going to create. And that's what I know happens, right? It's the hardest thing to convince people this, by the way, right? Because they're like, no, 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 but this is my little thing. I'm like, but dude, once you do that first deal with your little thing, then what happens? Right. And like, what if it takes you another year to get your little thing? You would have an opportunity to go do a deal. Wouldn't you like just to be start going now? Right. And I think that's what you guys said. Like, I remember asking you guys to come into this deal and there was like no hesitancy. Right. It was like, yes, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) And which was really cool to watch. And then it was really just it was all in. Right. Tina, Matt, you both went all in on that objective. And and it's really cool to hear that perspective is that it really is. And by what you just said, I mean, how cool is that? Because you just open up the well a lot wider than you probably would have done maybe differently, right? Absolutely. And it gave us an opportunity to understand different perspectives. And so I feel like we're just so much better to have better conversations now moving forward. All we're going to do is get better at explaining to people the benefits of it and being able to select the people that are the right fit for our opportunities. In full disclosure, I was that person. I was right along with Tina going, Tina's the one who wanted to do that. And I thought, what happens when we get our deal? And she's the one who had to to show that to me. And I quickly got on board and I realized that I'm like, I'm so glad we did that. So kudos to Tina for doing that because I was that guy also. I was very concerned about the next deal. And the reality is, we learn so much from it. And so just kind of recap. Well, and you just keep going. And now you're in the game, right? So now it's like, I was over here on the sidelines. Now I'm fully engaged in the game. And then like, it's an easier breakaway period, I think, from partnering up with a syndicator like me or somebody like me is you come and you add value, you do your thing. But at the same time, you get placed. And all of a sudden, you just jumped everybody else that was thinking about it, right? Just like that. You are now, oh, you're Matt and Tina. I need to get to know you, right? And there's something about, this is the funnest part. You guys get to say you own what, right? How cool is that part? To say, here's the property that I own. And it now almost it's, doubled our portfolio. And it's proof in the pudding for the next conversation. So when you go back to what you, that objective you were just talking about, that scarcity mentality, what Tina's taught me is that just consider that practice, right? So we went out and we screwed up a ton of conversations and we learned from it. And now we are into our deal where we get to raise money and be a bigger part of the GP. And we go, that was all practice. Now let's go do it for real. And everything we screwed up, let's go learn even better, right? 
Yes. That's how I look at it because she taught me that. Oh, that's awesome. So it's crazy how to think about. So you guys came into our what our boardroom about what a year? Has it almost been a year? It's actually your and my one year anniversary friends on Facebook. Today. Like today? Oh, there really? I've not been on Facebook at all today, <laughs> Tina. So I'm really so proud of myself that I've not looked. Nice job. But that's awesome to know. One year. Wow, that is crazy, right? Think about your guys' growth. So how do you guys feel about where your growth is right now, where, where you're at when you started and where you're at now? So I think we're our worst critic. That's and true. We're never satisfied with the speed of implementation. And then when we take a step back and go, this is what we accomplished, like, when we were going through goal setting and whatnot for this year, when we looked at all the things we did accomplish last year, we we're like, oh, I guess we're going at a speed of implementation faster than we expected. Sure. So just to give you an idea, we got in, we joined your group. We had about 150 doors. Then we added on another 50 last summer. And then mm-hmm. we've got into some of the deals with you. And I mean, we're at 548 doors now in just a year. With another, how many uh, beds are we getting ready to do? Yeah. And that's 632. Even, and I count the doors, not the beds. So, I mean, it's really about a thousand beds and we're about to add another 600 beds. And that's just crazy to think about that. But yet when we look at, at overall, like Tina said, we're never happy with the speed of implementation until we take time to kind of reflect back on where we, you know, how we got here. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, The journey is working, right? And eating the elephant one bite at a time versus... Yeah, that's the hardest part, right? Everybody thinks you got to do it right away. And so it's a lot more work than I think most people would probably realize, right? Because you got marketing, because especially when you're coming from, you have that core business, but you created another core business. And that needs marketing and, you know, brochures and a website and, and all that stuff doesn't happen right away, but it can come point to times. But what you still have golden, though, and I think this is the key for you guys, is you have relationships. I can't stress how important it is if you're listening right now. The relationships you have today can do amazing things. Like that's what Matt and Tina did. It was just took those people that they thought they knew and put them down on a piece of paper and was able to really harness the power of it. And most of us don't do it. It's sad. Okay, so what does the future look like for Matt and Tina? <laughs> That's a hard one. We sit down every year and we're very deliberate about our vision and our goals. And it's such a moving target. I mean, we've so far exceeded our original goals when we wanted to start in real estate seven years ago that I don't even know what that end game is for me anymore. I really enjoy learning. I enjoy challenging myself. I never thought I'd be one to say that. And this is a whole nother scary world. As a matter of fact, we got a little comfortable in our flip business. We've really created an amazing business that's We've got a handful of employees. It's very automated. And for Tina and I, we're pretty hands-off in that business right now. And when we started doing this a year ago and getting very deliberate, it was scary. And Tina at one point looked at me and she goes, isn't it fun to be scared again? I was just <laughs> yeah. going to say, when we sat on the first group call with your group and we hung up and I said, I don't even know this language. I didn't even understand the, the terms that the you guys terms were terms and saying. the acronyms. I was like, and, yeah. this is a whole new world for us completely. I was like, I think I know real estate and that, man, I don't even know what they're talking about. And so I remembered as you going, it feels so good to be, be scared, scared again. again. Yeah. And so that we've really been embraced. What a great statement yeah. of this last it's year. It's the only way you grow. And it, it's as cheesy as it sounds. It's so true. Like you've got to get out of your comfort zone if you want to grow. And I finally am learning to embrace that. And I do truly love it. I like being in that spot because that's where I know our greatest growth. If you got some fear in it, right? It's healthy 
to let you know you're in the right spot, right? And so I, I guess my whole point to that is I don't know if I have a, like where Matt and Tina are going to look in 10 years, five years. I don't know. I just know that I want to keep growing. It isn't a door count. Yeah. You look happy is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you guys look happy and sound happy. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I think that's the most important part is you've enjoyed the journey. Mm-hmm. Well, early right? on, we knew that we needed to be uncomfortable to grow our business. And so we used to ask ourselves every week, how uncomfortable were we this week? And if yeah. we weren't uncomfortable enough, we knew we weren't growing our business fast enough. And so I think right now it's just been super fun to be like, this is all uncomfortable. Yeah. All of it yeah. is. So it's so funny, right? Because I go on walks with my wife, right? And we were walking just the other day. We were just talking about all the things that are going on and all the deals and all the stuff. And I think my wife sometimes operates more on the fear side. Like she does not, she always says she wants to be my voice of reason, but I can't do it that way. I can never look at the glass as half empty. I've got to look at it or uh, half full. I got to look at it as half empty, right? But I go, honey, she goes, I think my whole goal and everything I've done up to this point is just learn to live in fear. I don't know. I don't know how all these things come together. I just had to have a belief that they will and the gumption to put it out there and then the work ethic to solve problems, right? And I see you guys doing that all the time, right? And I think that's an epitome of what it takes to be a successful syndicator or real estate, anybody, right? Just to be successful is to understand that there is the unknowns, we can fix them, but it's your belief at the end of the day, right? That, hey... I think we can solve stuff. For sure. For sure. And we've really learned too, like Matt's comfort zone and my comfort zone are different. And so like, we've really learned how to respect each other's fears. And even if it's not real, it's real to you. Tina taught me that one too. You know, your fear may sound ridiculous, but it's really your fear and you have to identify it. And I think that's a challenge and a blessing working together as a couple. Yeah. that You can identify those things and help each other through it. I think that's exactly what it is. Cause Shelly's like, sometimes I need a little healthy dose of Corey, you doing the right thing. Right. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Then you want to check yourself. Think about it for a minute, but you can rational. And then the greatest thing is when you guys come together you guys usually can decide on the, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then everybody says, yep, all right, I'm behind it. There's support. And then you go out and try to execute the best you can, right? So what other advice? So Radford Deals closing, great exercise, great learning experience. Any big takeaways that you want to share with anybody that's listening right now from that experience? Well, again, I feel like we talked about it, but for me, it was just getting comfortable being uncomfortable again was probably the biggest takeaway. We've raised money I would say one deal at a time, maybe one relationship at a time. And this challenge for us was like, we had to do a whole lot of relationships in a short amount of time. That's probably my biggest takeaway from it as far as what did I learn there? Well, and I think, I know you know the story already, but in 2019, Matt and I bought a hundred doors. And in 2020, we set a goal to buy 200 doors and we bought 16 and we went, oh, well, that was a fail. And so that was a big bell for me to identify, like, you need to be around the people who are where you want to go. And so, I mean, that's why we sought you out, right? We were looking for a community of people doing what we wanted to do. And by us being part of the Radford deal, it allowed us to learn all the stuff behind the scenes of what's needed so that we can truly grow our business the way we want to grow our business and to learn the things that we didn't know that we didn't know. So, Well, and that's a really good point because we say that all the time. So In our flip business, we really launched when we found a mentor, a coach. We found the person with the blueprint to do what we knew we wanted to do. 
The alternative was we figured out on our own over years of heartache and practice. And so when we started doing this same thing in 2019, Tina said, you know, we have to be very deliberate about it. Us buying a hundred doors and the next year only getting 16 was an amazing experience because it really opened us up to that same it was concept. Great. It to was say, great feedback. It's great feedback, right? <laughs> like We just thought it was going to come to us without any effort. We said, no, we need to be deliberate in this business, just like we were. Why do we think we could do it on our own? And so us seeking out a mentor, a coach, that is, and to this day, it's always our biggest advice. When somebody asks us, where's the best money I can put into real estate? I say, put your money into getting a coach, a mentor, somebody who's going to guide you, help you and hold you accountable because that's really the initial path to success in my opinion. And we get together with it. We do it quarterly. We're together in person. And man, when we come with the same problem twice in a row, that's a big fail for us. So like we like to, that helps us keep on target to make sure we're taking enough action. By, just by being in the group. By the way, so this is a great time to plug this, right? So I'm going to plug actually what I'm doing right coming up is my uh, Kahuna boardroom. So we're doing our my very last like full three-day training. You guys have been through it. And so and we're selling it for the cheapest I've ever sold it for, $1,500 a seat. There's only 60 seats. I think 42 of them right now are booked. So there's only like, I don't know, 18 left or something like that. So go to kahunaboardroom.com to get that seat, kahunaboardroom.com. You won't regret it. That I know, right? And you guys can attest it. We do a lot. It's a great event. We've been to lots of different events and it's so content packed. There's not a bunch of salesy stuff. It's just all content for three days. And it was so good. Like it filled in all the gaps for us and all the areas that we were missing from a knowledge standpoint in multifamily for sure. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, with that said, any last remarks or any books that you're reading, anything that you want to share that you can help our fellow listener get on their journey and go a little farther than they are? Well, we are both readers. I'm always reading like three books at a time. Right now I am reading Fanatical Prospecting. I figured that's an appropriate uh, topic for me to embrace right now. Um, And that has been a great sales book and just understanding the effort needed behind sales. Really, And my book plug for sure, 100% is going to be The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. We love that book so much. We actually hosted a book club where it wasn't even reading the whole book and having it. We Every week we We met chapter by chapter. It was that good. So it was game changer. Having some thinking time. Yes, Yes, for sure. Absolutely. That's really cool. You guys introduced me to that book and I'm still about halfway through it, but I've really enjoyed reading it, right? And it's really, really good. And I'm going to actually recommend a book because why not? We're all doing it. I've been reading a CEO only does three things by Trey Taylor and which is people, culture, and numbers. And so it's funny as we go on this journey, we all start somewheres and then you grow and then you're like, well, eventually what kind of business do you want? And this is all up to you. And you guys said it earlier and you alluded to it a couple of times, vision. You guys sit down every year and craft your vision for your who you want to be and what you want to do and how your business fits into that spot. And uh, how's it worked so far? Working great. <laughs> we get better at it every year. This is true. We do a big year one and then we break it down into quarterly conversations. We both learned from the same mentor on that. I think Sean McClaskey would be who mentored us into that thinking, or at least for me it was. And for the longest time, I never did it this way. I always put my business first and my personal life had to fit in the cracks. And then I really learned to reverse it as I put my personal life and who I want to be and what I want to do first 
and then my business has to fit in the cracks. But living your, why are you doing what you're doing? And is it what you should be doing or not, right? Sometimes I looked up and I was like, I got seven businesses. Well, do I need seven? No. Which ones pay you money? Only two. So why not just do two businesses, <laughs> right? And But we all think that we got to, if you look at social media, you got to be this big guru and do all this stuff. And there's a reason why this last event's my last event is because it's not in my vision, right? I know what I want to be. I want to be the CEO of a, a nice company that I'm proud of. And the info business doesn't have a whole big spot for that. But I do enjoy teaching and coaching and I love this podcast. So guys, I want to thank you for coming on on the show. I think you shared some wonderful nuggets and it really unlocked from your perspective what it takes for that new person coming in and going, raising money. Tina, I think you said it. You go all in. You just, you never look back. You set the tone. You guys went out and conquered and did something truly amazing. Not many people can say they raised a million dollars in their first really big effort. And you guys were able to do that in spades. I'm super excited for what you guys are going to do in the future. We got a deal that we're working now. And I think you're going to double or triple, maybe quadruple or what's five times that amount. That would be really cool. But I'm excited to watch that growth and that journey. And so, guys, if you listen to this podcast right now, listen, there's so many things you can do in life that will give you ultimate success. But before you can achieve any of those things, what matters most is you've got those little tooth, that thing between your two ears, that that brain, you have to engage it. You have to say, I'm going to put it in drive. It's take it from park and put it in drive. Maybe put it in overdrive. I don't know. Some of you may need an overdrive. But you're going to firmly start going and start believing that you can, guys. More important than anything else in this world is your belief. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible.